0: The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Avi Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.
1: Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In.
2: You have
3: always been a voice of reason through all of this.
1: Appreciate your time what you're doing for
4: America. I give you
1: advice and doesn't work at all.
4: You are definitely not inept by any means.
1: I like to hear women say that about me.
4: Whatever advice you're going to send my way,
5: I am
1: 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay.
5: Well, thanks.
3: That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are
6: you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Red. i glad I called.
3: I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you
1: don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the
0: studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica,
1: here's Dr. Ray. Hey, people ask me, do you have any fears? Yeah, one of them hit me this morning while I was having coffee with my wife. just came out of nowhere. I'm sitting there, and I had my bug. I looked at it, and I, I live in fear. I didn't realize this. I live in fear that the real... World's greatest dad is going to show up one day to reclaim his rightful mug. Good to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. The number, 877-573-7825. 7825 877-57, equal that is your number. You can use it however you wish. You can use it to call in with a question, situation, circumstance that is befuddling you. Or is not befuddling, and you think, hey, I'm handling it pretty well. Should I be befuddled? Should I be be? Or, if you want to make a comment on a previous call, helpful comment, sometimes implying I fell short, which is good. If you disagree with me about something, you jump straight to the front of the line. You jump the turnstile. If you have a generic question, faith, family, something that perplexes you about the current society and its moral freefall, or how our faith intersects with some of the principles of psychology. Any of those, 877-57-EQUAL, that's the number to call, to get on to the program. Well, you ain't going to hear me beating the bushes to get people for an audience in the four TV show tapings of Living Right with Dr. Ray down in Birmingham. We did that. Uh, Tuesday however there was a wrinkle alright I wouldn't call it a wrinkle I would call it a completely torn fabric Birmingham, Alabama which uh, gets pretty comfortable with temperatures between 40 and 60 this time of year got a nice storm a pretty good one pretty good one and it uh, scared a lot of people you live in the south like that. You know, this is not people who live up in Fargo where minus 40 degree wind chill is, so it's time to get out the windbreaker. You don't need the gloves yet. No, this is down south. And uh, they don't have snow removal, so they, uh, they simply shut down everything. And EWTN shut down. Not even the people working there were to come in on Tuesday, the day we were going to tape this program. Anybody who's seen Living Right with Dr. Ray knows that it's a live audience. That's what you got to have. Well, you don't have to have it, but that's pretty much what I prefer, to interact with the audience. We did have an audience. We had uh, <clears throat> four intrepid people show up as my audience. The rest of them either couldn't get to the studio or stayed home. Out of fear. But we did the show anyway. I wasn't uh, i wasn't inclined that way, but uh, the producer said, let's do it. Okay, so we did. I got to admit, it's kind of hard to make it look like there's a lot of clapping when you only have two or three people sitting out there in the audience. So several times during the show, I had to go out in the audience and clap. Just to add to it, just to add to the sound, you know. It was an interesting experience. It's the first time I've out of out of two hundred programs that we've done of Living Right with Dr. Ray. It was really the first time we've done it without an audience. No, that's not true. We did do it without an audience during COVID. We had a couple shows, but we had prepared for that. We had different clips. We had things we could drop in. We had pre-recorded guests, so it wasn't quite as off the cuff. But I think we pulled it off. I did a lot more talking to the camera than to the audience, which, after the first show, wasn't there. But I like an audience here, so if you would like to be in my audience, please call 877-57-EQUAL. That is the number. There are all kinds of negatives to, of course, I believe, smartphones, especially young kids with smartphones. I oftentimes tell parents the question is not if they're going to misuse it, but when. This article came out from the Epic Times. I'm going, to, I'm going to read the first part of it because I want to comment on it. I guess this is true. Just a made-up name, but the actual uh, situation is true. Billy was a bright 10-year-old boy with two Ivy League-educated parents. Book smart. Got straight A's in school but lacked street smarts. I don't know how much street smarts you got to have when you're 10. You know that? I don't know what they're referring to. If they're saying maybe some social competence for a 10-year-old compared to other 10-year-olds. All right, maybe I could buy into that. But lack street smarts? Come on. He was also a poor sport. Billy would frequently lie and cheat when playing board games or participating in team activities and have full blown meltdowns when he lost. Now you know the picture here is forming. And part of this picture that they're gonna present as the cause, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with, but I'll go with that. His friends, who had been with him since kindergarten, began losing patience. His parents recognized that something had to be done. And that's typically the way it is, by the way. parents will look at a situation. Kid gets to be 3, 5, 7, 10, 15, 27. And they realize, "Uh, we got to make some uh, redirecting moves here. So Billy's parents brought him to a Dr. Victoria Dunkley, a pediatric psychiatrist, specializing in screen use. Now I will I will I'm not going to read this article. I'm going to paraphrase. Dr. Dunkley put this kid on a screen fast, eliminating all TVs, phones, video games. Now the article says, that old Billy's problems miraculously cleared up. His parents were so pleased that they decided to maintain the fast. Stop the tape. Let me go back and read to you the very first line. Billy was a bright 10-year-old boy. So the kid had a smartphone. How long had he had a smartphone? At age 10. Okay, so that's that's the first thing. And they decided, well, you know, we got to do something about this. Maybe we should take away some of these screen devices at age 10. So after six months, things had improved. Kid was acting nicer. He ran for class president, etc., The article says this, Billy is one of Dr. Dunkley's many patients whose mental and behavioral problems disappeared once they eliminated or significantly reduced screen time. Well, first of all, I would want to know how old these kids are. There's a simple inverse rule, the younger you are when you get a smartphone, especially if you're smartphone gives you access to the whole universe, which many parents simply allow. They don't put safety devices on it. They don't get the kinds of phones you can't just jump on the Internet. They don't do the things that really would set up high walls of protection. The kids are going to, at the very least, things are going to happen like happened with Billy. Personality's going to change. Why would this be? One of the reasons would be because Billy is getting to see all the things that he could have and he doesn't. Or the way it should be and it isn't. Or the sewage at age 10, his little 4th and 5th grade mind is going to be exposed to. Gallup's 2012 survey found around 60% of young adults admit to spending too much time on the Internet. A subsequent survey estimated that 83%... Now, this is 2012, guys. This It's gotten... Oh, sorry, I can't say guys. 2012 people. It's got a lot worse. 83% of smartphone users say they keep their phone with them, quote, almost all of the time during waking hours. Now, what's the speculation here? I quote the article. Screens can overstimulate our brains, resulting in a perpetual fight or flight state yeah it's it, they're highly they're highly stimulating of course they are this then makes us prone to meltdowns depression and anxiety when even minor changes in the environment occur so that is the conclusion of uh, Dr Dunkley and this particular article it goes beyond just the fact that the kid may go somewhere he shouldn't it It actually changes. I'm convinced of this. It actually changes the child's approach to school. Approach to attentive perseverance. I was at the airport coming back from Birmingham. And I look around me just kind of eh, observing. I would say at any given moment people waiting at the gate area 60, 70, 80 percent are on their phones. Now... One might say, well, they're looking to, you know, amuse themselves, right? In the old days, come on, they used magazines. So they're, just, they're just doing things. Yeah, but here, here's the difference. Conversations with people and strangers are not struck up. It doesn't happen. You don't talk to anybody because I'm already buried into this world. I'm not going to enhance my conversational skills, my social skills. Right? i do it. Now, there's a lot more to this article. I'm going to get to it later because I can take a break and then get to your calls. However, one of the points it's going to make in the article, attention problems, huge attention problems. If you are, in fact, hyper-stimulated by scrolling all over the place, especially when you're younger. I know that most of you listening to this program are countercultural at some level. You don't like the direction the culture is going morally civilly you just don't so so you're you're a bit out of sync with the culture at large but even you and I know this because of, of the calls and because of the clients that I have even you most of you have smartphones for your kids by age 11 12 or 13 you do will it lead to some behavior problems yes it will no doubt in my mind about that the other thing it does is it takes people away from each other but i i gotta i gotta take a break i gotta get to your phones 877 573 7825 877 equal that is the number to call to get onto the program thank you for your acceptance
0: We are called to defend life from the rally to the march. EWTN brings you live coverage as the pro-life generation moves through the streets of the Capitol. Don't miss the March for Life, hosted by Lauren Ashburn from Washington. Coverage begins tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio and Television.
7: EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I Can't Get No Satisfaction is a popular song, but it could be a summary of our life on earth. In the book of Genesis, we hear that we're made in the image and likeness of God. That means that we can know the truth and we can choose to do good to others. We can love. It comes to fulfillment in the Sermon on the Mount where we hear these Beatitudes. It's the standard of the Christian life. Jesus tells us that if we hear what he says and do what he tells us to do, we will be like wise people who build our house on solid rock. But we make progress towards happiness and blessedness by our actions, and it starts with our interior disposition, what we want to choose. Do you and I hunger and thirst for those things that will lead us to happiness and to God? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. For more about the
3: Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com.
1: Among guys, that every time we start losing badly in any kind of contest, we're prone to say, "Hey, come on, guys! It's not a contest here. I don't understand. It's not. We're not. Come on, we're not in competition here. That's if we're losing badly. You know, you you make up little games. You wad up paper and you throw it to the wastebasket and you see how far away you can get and you shoot it and and pretty soon you can't even hit the basket, but your friend is hitting it three out of six times and you haven't hit it yet. Come on. Come on. It's not a contest. Well, it's an interesting scenario from Joe here. Joe calling from Ohio. Hiya, Joe.
6: Hi, Dr. Ray. It's a pleasure to talk to you.
1: You know, when I said hiya, Joe, you you sound long, younger than me, but you don't remember crazy Guggenheim on the Jackie Gleason show
6: Um I think I do and I'm I think I'm older than you.
1: I'm 69. Yeah. Oh, you're a pup. Remember he would come in <laughs> he'd say he he he'd go uh Joe. Hey, you joke. It was a standard yep. line of Jackie <laughs> Gleason and he and he Gleason would say "Hello Mr. Donahue." So you picked up a hitchhiker. First of all, that's something that actually, absolutely almost nobody does. Picked it up. Pick well, up, pick up.
6: yeah, actually, that's not exactly accurate. I was out running errands Saturday, and I was on my way home. And I passed this guy who was walking correctly on the shoulder of the road facing traffic. So he wasn't actually hitchhiking, but I don't know what else to call him. Uh, anyway, I, I passed him, and um, he had a large puppy three to four months old on a leash and, and he was walking and I passed him. my first thought was it's awfully cold for a guy to be out walking his dog and on the road or close to the road like that hmm. and then I looked in the rearview mirror and I saw he had a backpack on and I thought no he's not out for an outing he's traveling
1: this and is all was, he's you know, got
6: really cold I'm sorry
1: this is all he's got he looked like a homeless fella
6: yeah, uh, all I saw was a backpack. I mean, he had some kind of a hat and coat and gloves on, but it wasn't appropriate or adequate for the weather. Um, so I I kept driving, and I kept, you know, thinking, and I like to think that maybe the Holy Spirit prompted me to eventually slow down and turn around. And so I went back, because he was, he was five miles away from any place that I thought he might be going to, where I was on the road. I thought no one should have to be out, you know, in this weather. And he was out where the road was. was a big open field, and the wind was blowing like crazy, and it was probably zero wind chill. So anyway, I turned around, and I stopped, and there was no traffic behind me, so I could roll my window down and ask him where he was going. And he told me into town, and it was, you know, you know, about five miles away. So I said, you know, I motioned for him to get in the car, so... He came around and got in and got in the back seat with his puppy and, you know, instructed his puppy not to tear up my car and the the puppy was well behaved. But anyway, on the way back into town, um, he just offered that he had lost his license for OVI. And I just got the feeling that I could ask him a few questions without him being offended and asked him if he was getting any help. And he just uh, took that to mean, you know, for his problem and I, I thought initially that it was a drinking a DUI, you know, but it was for meth. So um, anyway, I dropped him off. I took him actually to his his old rundown apartment that he was living in and dropped him off, and I left. And the whole afternoon, I kept it bothered me that I maybe should have done something else to this guy, and I couldn't let go of that thought. So um, later that so you, afternoon, you, you I went, went back to, to help
1: him. What you went back to help him? Yeah,
6: yeah. I took him a bag uh-huh. of puppy food and
1: uh-huh.
6: knocked on his door, and I said, I'm, "I, want to give you my phone number in case you just need somebody to talk to, or maybe you want some advice or a mentor or something." So then I, I um, talked to him the next day. Well,
1: let me let me said, let me, let me hurry you line. along here, Joe, because I don't want you to I don't okay. want you to bump up against a hard break. You're asking really, how far do you go to help this guy?
6: Yeah, and. In the meantime, he's 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 sitting back in the county jail because he didn't pass his drug screen for three days. Okay. So he so so uh, pretty. He's it's got a Maryland. pretty ragged
1: history. This guy's got a very very ragged history.
6: Yes, I would right. say
1: so. Yeah. So what he's do you want to do to old. what do you want to do to help him?
6: Well, I work on a farm, and his experience uh, working is farm related, and I was kind of hoping maybe to get him. Here, that maybe we could, you know. The people I work for are very big hearted, and, um, you know, I could see them opening up to him, but I, you know, I don't know. know, I know know that these people often mislead you, and I, you know, he hasn't asked for money, which, you know, I wouldn't give him, but um, I I just feel like, you know, as a Christian, as a Catholic, that, you
1: you know, you want to offer him a job?
6: I want my boss to possibly talk about that, yeah
1: mm. well, I guess I would say i would i would, understandably your boss probably would be uneasy about this yeah. we don't we don't know the guy's history, we don't know whether he has a violent history, we don't know whether he has a psychotic history, we don't know how many times mm. he's offended, we don't know exactly what he's done, you don't know any of that, nothing mm hmm So if you're saying, well, I'm going to to introduce him to a bunch of people or my boss is going to give him a chance and find out that the next day several things were stolen. Um, Right. And and I'm not putting the fellow down. I'm just talking about the weighing of all this. Yes, the weighing of all it. Yeah. Maybe a better way to do this is to ask him— what kinds of things have you done? Have you been in rehab? Have you? Uh, where do you get your meals? Uh, what kind of social services have you connected with?
6: Yeah, he told so, me he's on disability, Social Security for ADHD. That's his, and, and he's okay. spending half of that for this rundown apartment that he lives in.
1: Okay, well, okay. Um, so he doesn't work at all. So. No. It's been a I couple guess, years, yeah, I guess you know realistically, tragically, the odds of success yeah. are very low, very low.
6: I'm, I've never been involved myself with anybody like this, but this is really hard.
1: well, unfortunately, the uh, the streets uh, are filled with folks like this. Unfort, sadly, yeah. unfortunately. I, I guess if you're yeah. going to have some contact with him personally, maybe take him out to breakfast, sit and talk with him, get his story. I think you'll do more that way. Providing a friend for mm-hmm. this guy, some type of just let them you know somebody cares. Yeah, yeah, and and see yeah. where it goes. You you may you may go to pick him up and he's not there. You know he had a, mm-hmm. he had a he had a rough meth morning and he's not he's just not there. Yeah. Yeah. You'll find out, yeah. but, but but be cautious. You you know nothing about his mm-hmm. history. Right. So yeah, I, I did.
6: Think. I actually did take a take a pizza to him the other night, and that's when I sat down and talked to him for about an hour, and you know got some of this information out of him, but. He, the other maybe kind of troubling thing about him is he's got this, quote-unquote, girlfriend who's 19 years old in Louisiana. Mm. So He's like twice her age. But, you
1: know, well, you don't, so. you don't know the, the full context of all of that. We, we don't know exactly if the girlfriend is his girlfriend or he says she's his girlfriend. Thanks, Joe. You got, you got, a, got an opportunity to explore some things. You might, uh, I think you might learn some stuff. Thanks for the call. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call to get onto the program. I want to talk to all of you, so please don't leave me.
7: Welcome to Spirit of Stewardship. Jeremy Belsky is your host for real-life stories, encouragement, and ideas to enhance your own gifts of work, wealth, and wisdom in response to God's blessings for you. I'm Jeremy Belski, and today's topic is Stewardship of the Environment, God's Creation of Nature. When you hear the message, Be a Wise Steward of Your Resources, do you ever consider the role you play in your community environment? It's natural to think of time, talent, and treasure when stewardship is mentioned, But our faith teaches us that all is gift from God. Thus, respect for nature and doing our part to ensure a safe and clean environment is important. Here are just three areas we can pay more attention. A lot of action has been taken in recent years by nonprofits geared towards a cleaner environment. The first area of focus is to eliminate litter. Consider how your actions to pick up after yourself are pleasing to God. Be proud to do your part to keep your community and neighborhood clean. Secondly, look at ways to recycle and make the most out of your purchases. Does it matter to you that so much plastic consumes our landfills? Have you given thought as to how you can make a particular purchase last longer? Third, in a country filled with abundance, what's being done to ensure our nature and environment for the next generation? This is more than eating bread crust and cleaning off your plate. The root lies in not wasting what we've been given. There's a great deal of time and effort that goes into caring for our place of residence in addition to our possessions. Keeping up what is ours or giving our used possessions to the less fortunate are a couple of ways to be prudent stewards of our blessings from God. I'm Jeremy Belsky, your host for Spirit of Stewardship. To learn how you can better share your talents and resources, contact your local parish priest. Your level of involvement in the church now positively impacts our faith in the future.
1: Got some folks that have been patiently. Oh, she hung up. Oh, okay, then I don't even have to do that. Let's go to Janet from Bloomington, Illinois. She did email me, and she is approximately one of twelve point two six four people who email when I say, "Please call the show." I'd like to ask you some questions. Who who do call? And I'm respectful of that. Hi, Janet.
3: Hello there. Yes, I have the day off so I
1: could call. Where you have, Well, Janet, you know, you seriously ought to think about quitting. If this is interfering with you listening.
3: <laughs> well, I listen. I just listen to you on delay, so I can't call.
1: Oh. You know, well, it, I
3: have
1: the app. It loses back. something. When I delay it, you know, six, seven hours later, I'm not as fresh, you know?
3: <laughs> Correct.
1: You know, this is interesting. Your question because when I was an intern at Kent State, I had a student come in, and she, she had a noise phobia. That was that was what was described for her from her situation. And and your daughter, you say she has an aversion to noise.
3: Well, yeah. What did it, you know? She you cannot chew gum around her. She is very noise sensitive, but she takes it to an extreme because she comes by honestly. Because I'm the same way; I don't like to hear certain things, but she's way worse than I am. Like in the car, she'll make all of us miserable.
1: Well, how do you put the things. windshield wipers on? <laughs>
3: <laughs> and it's not just that; like, if because I'm I'm kind of a fidgety person, so if I fidget in front of her, tap my fingers when I'm driving the car, she stops me. So it's, like, constantly on her mind. Like, in her room, she'll sit and watch TV in her bedroom and have the fan running so she doesn't hear the rest of us in the house.
1: How long has this been going on?
3: It's been, I remember when she was, a, she'll, she was a senior in high school, when she was in fourth grade, she was, would complain about her fourth grade teacher that she loved, but she, she's gum, and it drove her nuts. That she how, does she, how, does she,
1: she how does she navigate all the... The repetitive noise of high school correct yes I mean it is
3: a and she always was like this is just the way I am you have to deal with it but lately she's like I wish I could change that's what prompted me to call because I'm like this is you're driving the rest of us nuts
1: do you okay I oh I can't speculate on what exactly is the neurophysiology of her reaction some might say, well, there's there's something going on in her brain that is uh, kind of a, a repetitive neurochemical firing. The problem is we, we can't really identify that. It's too subtle M- most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, does she... Okay, she obviously has girlfriends that she hangs around with? Yes. She's a competitive swimmer. She works. Like, she well, functions. Well, there's so, so... there's. You can't navigate life without having all kinds of, and it sounds like what you're saying here, Janet, is, is anything repetitive, which is exactly what was happening with that girl I dealt with back in grad school. So it's re- repetitive. Uh, if she's in class and, and she's got some kid sitting next to her bouncing his pencil on his desk, yes, when yes. she turned we'll to him and say, stop it, shut up, just stop it. Or would she just grit she her teeth? She won't,
3: but she—it will bother her. Yeah, right. people that like when she's taking a test, it's quiet, and the noise sniffers and the noise—you know—when you know, when you've got a little runny nose, that that will set her off. But she doesn't. I mean, she doesn't do anything about it, but it gets on her brain.
1: I guess I would ask her, what would happen? If you simply weathered it. In other words, the guy that's bouncing his or or clicking his pen behind her.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, she's had a history of stuff like that bothering her because she dwells on it and she focuses on it. And she lets it play in her head. But what would happen if she simply said, so what? What? Right. Rather rather than fighting it, rather than saying I'm trying to ignore it, I'm trying to ignore it, stop it. Because with you guys, she tells you to stop it because you're her family, and you and you guys all right. acquiesce. I'm not sure I would acquiesce. As a matter of fact, I probably wouldn't acquiesce at all. I tell her, I say, honey, you're going to have to get used to this.
3: That's what my
1: husband says. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to tell you know, my kids I can to understand stop.
3: Understand it a little bit. Yeah. Well, you can understand like it,
1: but knows. here's the question, Janet. Yeah what you're doing is not helping her no it's not see you're you're saying okay I'll stop doing it and she'll feel better yeah but but that doesn't do anything for the future all it does is buy a temporary relief for the moment that's all it does so what's happening with your daughter is she has all these little escape mechanisms She'll either, if somebody's clicking a pen behind her, she'll she'll try to distract herself. She'll try to think of something else. Or if she has a, a good friend that she can say it to, she'll say, don't do that. that. That drives me crazy. Don't do that. Don't chew gum around me. So she picks and chooses where she will assert herself. But the rest of the time, she kind of grits her teeth and tries to distract herself when she can't do anything about it. You know, teachers up on the blackboard. Right. Uh, stomping the eraser, whatever, I would tell her, you know what? Rather than fighting it, flow with it. Simply view it as the normal noise of every day. And as a matter of fact, kind of pay attention to it. Because if you pay attention to it and flow with it, it's going to go away. And tell her also, no, I'm taking notes. I'm okay, her tell her also that just because she doesn't like it doesn't mean she has to be distressed about it. It's one thing to say, well, you know, I really don't like to hear the clicking of a pen. Okay. But do you have to take it a step further and be anxious about it? Instead of saying to yourself, I can flow with the clicking of the pen. Matter of fact, a matter of fact, I'll listen to it just to get it past me. I'm not going to put my fingers in my ears because they're all, those are all escape behaviors. And escape behaviors don't work well when you're facing anxiety. And that's what she's doing. She's saying, this makes me anxious. Well, yes, it does. All right. Flow with the anxiety. Don't fight it. Just flow with it. Say to yourself, yeah, I'm anxious about it. Okay, well, eventually it'll stop. And if she would take that attitude, she would quit doing all these little things, telling her siblings, stop it. Just stop it. I don't need you snapping your fingers. I wouldn't allow her to do that personally. That's me.
3: Okay, done. Huh? Wow. I'm going to make her call you if she doesn't change your behavior.
1: <laughs> I'm work. My newest book, believe it or not, I'm working on right now, is about anxiety. And the interesting thing about anxiety is that, like your daughter... People do all kinds of things to stop the anxiety, make it go away, make it quit, make it stop, instead of just simply flowing with the anxiety and recognize it's not going to damage me, and eventually it loses its power. Janet, thank you for the call. Thank you so much. Uh, Those folks up there, please, I I want to get to all of you, so please be patient, and if you don't want to be a patient, be a caller.
8: What will happen when Jesus Christ comes to judge the living and the dead? On the last day, the Catholic Catechism tells us everything will be laid bare, the deeds, thoughts, and works of all men and women. Then will culpable unbelief be condemned. Culpable unbelief discounts the offer of God's grace as nothing. Our attitude toward our neighbor will reveal our acceptance or rejection of God's grace and divine love. Our Lord will say, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Though Christ is given authority over all judgment, a right he acquired by way of the cross as Redeemer of the world, Jesus did not come to judge but to save and to give the life he has within himself. If we reject the grace we receive in this life, we already judge ourselves according to our works. We can even condemn ourselves for all eternity by rejecting the spirit of love. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism.
3: Catholic Connection
8: with Teresa Tomio. That idea of suffering is one of the reasons many people either turn away from God or they ignore faith altogether because they cannot comprehend or wrap their heads around suffering and all the suffering in the world. This is an issue for you, and it's, it's an issue for all of us from time to time when we go through rough situations, to say, Lord, what do you want me to learn about suffering? Ask the Lord to help you understand the meaning of suffering. God doesn't waste his time with anything. Whatever you go through, he will use if you allow him to use it. And you look at the greatest evil, right? The killing of God, Jesus, the Son of God on the cross. And what came out of that? Our salvation.
1: Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio, Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern, on EWTN Radio. never wanted to become a zombie. <laughs> way too much walking, you know? Burn off a lot of calories that way. David from Connecticut. Hi, David. How are you? Hey, hey, doctor. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You know what? I wanted to take your call because I didn't want to make you wait because I didn't want you to feel rejected.
2: <laughs> I've been dealing with that a lot lately.
1: <laughs> well, is it? Is this a... Uh, is this a build-up here, or is this something that just sort of a couple of circumstances occurred that made you feel particularly rejected?
2: Well, it's kind of like a something that's that's always just been building up, because I, I have a ministry that I that I, I work really hard to, to keep moving forward, and and I just seem to always come up to somebody that... that Says no, you don't have the experience to do this. You don't have this to do this, and 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 I've and I've built on my experiences, and I've and I've created something. But yet, I still get that rejection, and it um it it bothers me.
1: Well, you're taking it personal. Well, I'm not Don Corleone. So. Well, it has nothing to do. With, yeah, <laughs> don't take it, it's just strictly business. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with their perception of what you have to offer, and if they say, "Ah, I don't, I'm not interested," or "I don't think you can do it," that's no reflection on whether you can or can't. It may throw up some obstacles, but it's not rejection. Mm-hmm. Tell you what, buddy. All right, I'll tell you a little self story here. Back when I was in secular media a lot, I used to do all the secular shows, I was Oprah's almost go-to guy before she hooked up with Phil. And I had so many producers tell me, oh, boy, you should have your own TV show. You're tailor-made for TV. Oh, wow, we'll get you a TV show. I can't tell you how many times it fell through, David. Mm -hmm. It fell through so many times that I gave up. And then EWTN came along, and I got to be where I really wanted to be. And I wouldn't have had to been. I, I thank God that I didn't get a secular TV show because of all the pressure to compromise. So I don't know what your ministry is. Um, uh, podcasting. And, okay. Well, here's the thing. You've you, you got to sort of accept something. It's this. Let's say that you're not very good at podcasting. Let's say you really don't have uh, anything that would be appealing to all that many people. What's so bad about that?
2: The thing is, though, Doctor Ray. I mean, I've I've got a hundred episodes under my belt now, and my podcast started out just really small, but it it's grown, and I even now have a a, a radio show on, on radio. So things have grown, but it's. It's. I don't see the same thing that like a lot of other people see. They'll say, "Oh, it's a great show. I love it. It's, it's my favorite podcast. Love it." But I, I just, for some reason, I don't see the successes.
1: Don't get caught up in the numbers. My son's managing my Instagram account. I haven't been on Instagram ever. Started maybe a few months back. So I got a fair amount of people checking it out and and I, and I was feeling like, yeah look at this I got it doing pretty good until I see some reel of a cat and it has a million and a half views and I realized <laughs> I realized I'm just gonna reach whoever I can reach and that's what I'm there for. I'm not going to look at something and say, "Wow, look at all the success they're having with their cats and their birds." Yeah, you you got to You got you got quit playing that game. Just you're you're there. If your podcast is there to help people, then that's it. You're going to help whoever listens, whoever you can help. And you start looking around you and saying, wow, look at, the, look at that guy. Look at this. success says he's got, you know. People are telling me I'm as good as him, but I'm not, I don't have anywhere near those, those numbers. That I don't have an audience he does, and I, I think I'm getting pretty good at this. And I, cut it out. That'll kill you. Okay. David, I'm a psychologist, and for all my life I've done private practice of some type. Uh you know most people don't get better you know that don't you I didn't Yes that's the truth So if I were to focus on the majority of people who don't get better who quit Uh I'd have been out of this I'd have been out of this profession a long time ago man I'd have gone and, I'd have gone and waxed cars so I could at least say I did that I can look at that car and say wow that looks nice yeah, I I'm I'm only here to help whomever is cooperative to be helped, and and whatever I do any anywhere in the media, it's just there for whomever. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna focus on. Oh man, I should be better than this. Things should things should be gone. Okay, I'm all right. Here's another thing. I went down to EWTN to produce four episodes of the TV show. Right. Now, I don't know if you listen to this program much, but there for a while mm-hmm. I was I was pushing pretty hard getting an audience down there. Do you know how many people we had signed up for our third show in the audience? Tell me. <laughs> Thirteen. No. Thirteen. Now, if I'm going to look at that and say, well, that's, that's a reflection, I better just can that show. No, I I don't know the reasons. Uh, part of it was it was daytime. I know that daytime's a lot tougher. But but he's even at that. So yeah, I don't. I've learned long, long ago not to focus and compare. That there's no way I'm doing that. And I would say, Well, I'm, you want, I'm guilty of that. I know I am. You got to cut it out, man. And don't call it rejection for heaven's sake. Are you kidding me? Well, when I wrote my first book, way back, it was really something to publish a book. It's not something to publish a book now. Everybody publishes a book now. You can write it. You mm-hmm. can get you can get artificial intelligence to write it for you, and then you go self-publish it, and you put it on Amazon. Heck, yeah. It's all over the place. Podcasts, there's millions of them. It's the way it is, you know? Any chance I could get you to be a guest on my podcast? Ah, oh, heck, yeah. I'll come and visit with you.
2: That'd be great. Go to the
1: go to the website drray.com, dot com and I'll do it for you as long as you don't feel rejected. No. Yeah, cut Thank that crap. Cut call. that crap out. All right, David. Thank you, my friend. I'll
4: be right back. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the Book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book. Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary, discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at avemariaradio.net. Check it out. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit.
0: Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity Health Share, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, Solidarity Health Share can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families.
7: Call to see how much you can save. 844 398 9399. That's 844 398
1: 9399.
0: It's been nine presidential elections that I've been on the air, and I've been watching Christians engage the culture around us. And almost every campaign year, candidates urge us to take back America. This is about as tired a phrase as you can find. And yet with each election, the command to take back America reappears. We seem to think that America's problem that we have to correct is go back to a different idea of the budget or a different foreign policy or new regulatory reform. I'd argue that America's biggest problem is this act of idolatry that has allowed us to turn the emphasis on ordered liberty into a preoccupation with personal and individual autonomy. I'd go further and say that any attempt to take back America or make America great again that does not attack the idolatry of individual autonomy
7: is doomed to failure. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio.
1: I just realized something. I wasn't going to compete for the Humility Award this year because I was getting tired of having to be so humble. But then when I did a little self-revelation and said that we only had 13 signups before the weather hit us in, uh, in Birmingham for my third show. The other shows had more, but that one only had 13. Now, that could vault me into the Humility competition, either, either Humility or Humiliation competition. I'm not sure which one. I'll have to check into that. Eric is calling from people see Idaho now it used to be called Boise but there's been a movement and I don't know if Eric knows this uh, regarding changing the name of the city because uh well it's uh, it's, it's, it's rather gender assuming Boise so uh, people see hi Eric this is well I don't know you can call it that I guess but enjoy oh, it while it lasts
5: well this is it's nice because we only get, like, weather, severe storms, like, every 22 years, or, uh, sorry, 32 years. So, it's a nice place to live, I and can't... the state has gorgeous, gorgeous country.
1: Oh, it does. Are you close to, uh, uh, Coeur d'Alene?
5: Uh, no, that's there, that's the northern part of the state. I'm in Boise.
1: Okay. Gotcha.
5: What's up? But, uh, Coeur nice, but it's just farther north and colder and the lake's huge
1: (laughs) you had some i gave you some advice uh, sometime back or
5: you did this summer so my aunt passed away and uh she was a hardcore liberal and i was upset at myself that i didn't like bring her to the truth and uh i didn't want to i didn't want to go to her celebration of life and i was being stupid and you told me I, to, I should have done that and i not judged i yeah i, I mean i was i think i was judging her actions but i'm not obviously i'm not at the gates of heaven or hell at that place but i'm just i was looking at her actions and it was so counter opposed, everything i that opposed me like she supported abortion but she and she told my wife you can you can every single kid you can abort the kids but then she loved my kids when they were born and I was always turned off by that. I was always like, "How is that not hip- hypocrisy?" And anyway, that clouded me. And I should have listened to you. You didn't go. I I didn't. Um, I, we celebrated her life. We fed some ducks because she. We did. I did backpacking and stuff with her. And but I didn't go to her celebration of life. Um, and I didn't want my kids there because she went to one of those. You could believe in the spaghetti monster. Of Mars, and that's God. They'll let you believe in anything you wanted, and that's how they sold. That's what that hurt. That faith was, and I didn't want my kids to be confused by that because my kids are uh, eleven through five right now, and I just. Well, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't I think
1: your that. kids would even know that, Eric. Uh, they wouldn't know that. They no, I know. To...
5: And like I said, I should have gone. I. It's, but you can't. It's. You know, I can't cry over spilled
1: milk. Well, take a lesson. I prayed for her. Yeah, and take a lesson. Half of life improving is uh, learning from your mistakes. And you said, if I had to do over again, I would have gone. Okay. So in the near future here, when there are people in your life, and there are going to be a whole bunch of them that uh, are thinking radically different than the way you want to look at things through our Lord, (laughs) you're you're going to have to associate with them. You're going to have to love them. You're going to have to have some kind of connection with them. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. That's, you know. If I didn't go to the funerals of the people in my life who were either agnostic or atheist or lived as they wished, uh, I'd, I'd I wouldn't have a whole lot of funerals to go to. Sometimes. Yeah. So.
5: I appreciate your advice, and I'll next time if I call and ask it, I'll do try to do a better job of listening to
1: it. <laughs> hey, Eric. I'm used to people not listening to what I say. It's no, it's but they, it's you get paid, so they're supposed to they're supposed to listen. To you. Well, that's well, yeah, but I even use that as for an example. I say they come in, they're in crisis, they pay me, and they they give me some sort of credit, and they still don't do it. So yeah, like, yeah, you can't take it personal, my friend. Hey, thanks, Eric, for the call, buddy. Tom is asking a, a common question here. And by the way, Tom, good Lord permitting, I know you're calling from Omaha, uh, Spirit uh, Catholic Radio Turf, uh, good Lord permitting, uh, at your big anniversary, 25th anniversary there, on February 24th, I believe it is, uh, I'll get a chance to come and visit and be at the banquet.
4: Hey, you're cutting out on me.
1: Oh, how much did I cut out?
4: Well, now I can hear you.
1: Okay. Well, you're calling from Spirit. And Spirit's having their 25th anniversary. Wonderful network. And uh, they've invited me to be at the banquet that they're having for their 25th anniversary. So I don't know if you're going to that, but I'll answer your question anyway.
4: Okay, well, here's my question. We talked about Halloween uh, yesterday, and uh, you said uh, to the woman that these uh, sinister, dark costumes are not appropriate. I totally agree. You said the kids could dress up as a crayon or green uh, playing card or whatever uh what about these when they dress up as saints and sometimes they hand out holy cards and stuff what's your view on that it seems to me it's kind of in your face but what do you think
1: are you talking about the people that are dispensing the stuff i'm going to instead of giving you candy i'm going to give you a
4: holy card no kid well some do that too but i'm talking about the kids when they're out trick-or-treating they dress up like a saint, and then they pass out holy cards and things in. Well, I have no as
1: problem said, with that, but I would uh, I would suspect that most people don't know they're dressed up as saints. Most people would just figure some kind of costume of somebody in history. They wouldn't know. Oh, uh-huh. that's St. Hillary. What do you know there? I didn't know that. And if they want to uh-huh. give someone a holy card, certainly nothing stopping them. Uh, most people probably wouldn't be all that excited about it, but, hey, you never know. Um again they're not hurting anybody at all and um i guess i would have to do a study do you get more candy when you go dressed up as a saint that nobody recognizes or when you go as a, a pair of dice i don't i don't know i'd have to I'd have to ponder that one <laughs> thank you tom this is dr A. thanks for the company everybody i appreciate it. you make the hour go so fast i appreciate it so much thanks Andrew crew check producer man call screamer extraordinaire walk with god you got kids Grab their hand and hold on.
0: For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.